Hello, welcome to uh, City Church Podcast. I'm John Pyle, the digital pastor here, and I'm sitting down with Pastor John Witte, whose series Make Peace is gonna be coming up uh, this week, and you might have already seen the first one. John, welcome. Thanks, yeah, uh, good to be here. John, you're a teaching pastor here at City Church, but you have a wide variety of experience, including some time in Africa. Mm. What was that like? Yeah, Linda actually, uh, my wife, Linda grew up in Africa, and so we met at Baylor, and uh, she was already pretty set on going back. I thought I was just going to be a pastor here in the United States, and uh, my senior year at Baylor realized I'd go anywhere in the world and serve God, and so Linda and I kind of went on a 10-year journey before we got to Africa and uh, raised all of our children there, lived wow. in Kenya for 13 years, uh, worked Southern Sudan, worked Northeast Uganda, ended up in Zambia, uh, leading work for other missionaries, helping getting them ready. Wow, yeah. that is, that is yeah. incredible. What, an, what a great tour of Africa. And I know that you like to tell stories about that, so feel free <laughs> to drop those in. Uh, in your series, you're talking about conflict and relationships. Mm -hmm. And your theory is that relationships are fundamentally important to our lives and everything that we do and that resolving the conflict is important. Mm -hmm. One of the key pieces in resolving the conflict is something that you call paradidomy. Mm -hmm. Okay, what the heck is that? That yeah. word doesn't make sense to <laughs> anyone. Okay, what is paradidomy? Yeah, paradidomy, John, is uh, it's a Greek word, but uh, we're using it in a, in a pretty significant way here at City Church. You know, we talk a lot about being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And so one of the things that I've tried to do is to boil that down. What does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Christ in a way that I can actually remember it? Hmm. Because if, if it takes 20 or 30 things I got to do, right. well, I can't live that out in my life. I, I won't know which one to do at a time. So. I did a study in the New Testament looking at the life of Jesus, and I ended up at a verse, uh, Ephesians 5.2, where Paul says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So that word, mm -hmm. gave himself for us, that phrase, is the Greek word paradidomi. So I started backing up to say, how's this word used in the New Testament? And the word, this is probably more Greek than people really mm -hmm. care about, but the word literally means para, to give over, or to over, and didomi, to give. So it means to give over. And it was mostly used in the New Testament of Jesus when he was given over to the authorities. Mm. In other words, he was arrested. Mm. That's the way it's usually translated in the New yeah. Testament in English. But we know that Jesus, his life wasn't taken from him. He said, I can put it down, I can lay it down, I can take it up again, Jesus willingly gave his life over and ultimately died on the cross. So whenever Paul says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, when he says, and gave himself for us, he's referring to when Jesus died on the cross for mm. us. So the ultimate expression of God's love for us is when Jesus gave his life away for us. And so if we're gonna be Christ followers, the ultimate expression yeah. of being a fully devoted follower of Christ is when you and I give our lives away for others. Now, the other way that you could also say that is, is the ultimate expression of following Christ is loving others. But loving others, sometimes the word love gets used so many different right. ways, we're not always clear on what that means. But when we talk about how do I give my life away hmm. 
in every situation, how do I give my life away? That's what it means to follow Christ because that's what Jesus did for us. And so paradidomi, we think, is the core of what it means to be a Christ follower. How do I give my life away? Or uh, Andy Stanley says in his teaching, when you're not sure what to do, answer the question, what does love require? Hmm. Well, what does love require or how do I give my life away? It's the same question, just using different terminology. And it's what Jesus did. Yeah. And so you're talking about it. There's two perspectives. There's a lot of times we hear in church, well, love, just love, man, Mm -hmm. love one another, love that. That's very vague and can be easily misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you've got the very theological, well, paradidomy, that's how you do it. You give your, right. And so what you're trying to do is find that middle for us non-theologians, right? The people live an everyday life. What does this look like? What does that apply? And that's what this is. And so that's why you found this to be a powerful, a powerful concept. what, What I wanted to try to do, because to be honest, I can't remember everything I know, right? Mm. <laughs> so when I'm in, when I'm living real life, and especially when I'm in a difficult situation where maybe I know what my desire is, I know what Witty wants to do, right? Yeah. But maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. I can ask myself this simple question, how do I give my life away in this situation? And what that does is when I answer that question, and I think Hmm. almost intuitively we know what that means, then I know how to follow Christ, especially in the hard situations. How do I give my life away? And so I just wanted to boil it down for us so that there would be one question we had to remember. And I've suggested in my last series earlier in the spring, I suggested that we get up every day and as a part of your normal routine in the morning, just to get yourself ready for the day, you say, okay, Lord, how can I give my life away today? And you anticipate your schedule. You anticipate the people you're going to be involved with, the things you're going to do. And you start looking before you ever leave the house for ways to give your life away all day long, because that's what it means to follow Christ. Yeah, and we're, you're starting with the frame of mind of love, right? And love in the active, not love in the sense of the noun that we all hope to maybe, oh, I want to fall in love, I want, right? You're talking about exactly. the active piece of love. Yeah, I am. You know, love for God, I mean, God is love. That's what, that's what the New Testament tells us. And so for God to act in loving ways, and Jesus, we believe, was God. So for him to act in loving ways, it was no problem. Yeah. <laughs> but you and I uh, have these other desires, right? And so for us to act in love, many times I'm choosing to deliberately uh, love someone when I actually want to do something else kind of selfishly myself, yeah. right? And so for us, it's deliberate choices to act in loving ways. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to relationships and it comes to especially relationships in conflict, you can imagine how hard it is sometimes to live out paradidomy, to give my life away, because the nature of what's going on in the relationship makes me want to do just the opposite. Right. You want to protect. You, uh, the, uh-huh. the way for the conflict is to protect. So, okay, let's pretend I'm just a guy. I go to work. I do my job. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to get a PhD in theology. I'm just trying to be a Christ follower. I'm trying to do what I see in church on Sunday or what I listen to or whatever that is. 
what does this look like for me when I'm in a marriage that feels like it's a dead end marriage or mm-hmm. I'm having conflict with my spouse? I'm a wife that doesn't understand her husband. What does this practically okay. look like right. if I'm a regular human being? Well, if you're a regular guy, most guys, first of all, are really interested in our stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Most guys are interested in, you know, how do other people look at me? How important am I? Uh, what kind of car do I drive? What clothes have I got on? What's my address? And we think about our stuff. We think about our guy toys, you know, like uh, whatever your hobby is and yeah. you want to have the best of it. And you got this really cool truck. Guys are all about stuff. And um, and so we tend to think as guys that it's our stuff that's going to make us happy. Right. Mm. If, if I've got the best stuff or if I've got all the stuff that I want, then I'm going to be happy. But what we know about relationships is, is that it's relationships that actually end up making us happy. Mm. And so think about it when you were a kid. So when you were a kid, maybe you didn't grow up in a wealthy home. Maybe you did. But you had friends. Right. And it didn't really matter what stuff you had as long as you were doing stuff with your friends, right? right? That's right. what we really cared about. And so even as a, before we got to this stage in our lives where we had a bunch of stuff, it was our friends that made us happy and doing things with them. So for guys, when we get older and now we get married and we've got this really significant human relationship, the most significant human relationship, which is with your spouse, if you're still thinking that it's your stuff, that's going to make you happy, dude, you're in trouble. Mm. <laughs> and so um, focusing in on this relationship with your, with your wife or wives with their husbands and getting those right, this is the crucial component to, the hap- to your happiness in your life. And so when we relate that together with paradidomy, giving your life away, The challenge in a marriage is, as a husband, how do I give my life away for the sake of my wife, right? Mm. Now, if my wife is super easy to live with and she does everything just the way I want, it's easy to love my wife. But what if we got married and we didn't know each other all that well, and then later, a couple years into it, I discover, well, she's not quite who I thought she was, Mm. or she doesn't do things the way I grew up doing them, and these conflicts come up, then that's where the struggle to actually... You know, give your life away and love your wife right. and solve the conflict is really significant. And so in this series that we're doing, Paul has laid out a three-step process for helping us figure out how to make peace when we're in conflict with anyone else in our relationships. And that's great because one of the things that you do that is absolutely right is that you presuppose, you you assume there's going to be conflict because in every healthy relationship, Mm. there's conflict. There's not a relationship out there that is a good relationship that will not have conflict. Yeah. You know, John, conflict is usually kind of a four letter word. When we say it, we think, oh, it's bad. Right. But conflict isn't always bad. Conflict can be the thing that actually moves you to change. Mm. It can be conflict that says, hold it, we've got this problem here. We better do something about this, and you actually change and get better. 
Conflict is bad whenever you don't know why you're having it. Conflict is bad whenever one of you wants to solve the problem, but the other doesn't. Conflict is bad whenever uh, it just goes on for so long that it exhausts you completely, you know? And until you get to the point where you say, I'm done. I I don't want to work on this anymore. I don't have the energy to work on this anymore. Then conflict becomes a bad thing. And since our happiness is dependent on our relationships... If we can't work out the conflict between us, ultimately, our happiness goes away. And that's what most of us don't want to lose. Yeah. Oh, and I'm thinking of just my relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's with my parents, whether it's with my wife, whether it's with my kids, Mm -hmm. whatever. A lot of times, I don't even know why we're having the conflict. Mm -hmm. I don't even have the setup of... I just come home and I know it feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I see somebody and it feels awkward or I don't like showing up someplace or it makes me feel a certain way. And I don't even know that that is conflict. But what those are the signs that are screaming, hey, this is conflict. Yeah. So a couple things, if, if, if you're experiencing, and I think, John, a lot of us experience that. You just, you don't know why, but you know something's wrong. So what can we do about that? So there's a couple of things we need to do. Um, I think the first thing that is always a good place to start is I need to try to understand myself better. Mm -hmm. So what is it in me that is contributing to this conflict? And around here at City Church, we talk a lot about the need to do the work of telling your own story, understanding your own history, where you've come from, how you got to be the person you are. And we have ways for doing that. And uh, doing this hard work of understanding yourself, what it does is it begins to open your eyes to who you are. And when I did that hard work a few years ago, uh, what it did to me personally is it resulted in humility. Mm. Because I'd always been a pretty proud person my whole life and always thought that I was kind of better than the other person. I just sort of went into the relationship assuming that. And when I looked at my story, John, I realized uh, I'm not all that good. And I I actually wasn't all that proud of who I had been in my life. Well, imagine if I become genuinely humble in a relationship. Imagine how far that goes towards solving the problem in the relationship. And imagine if, say, your spouse also told her story or his story and understood who they were, and it kind of humbled them. And now you have two humble people trying to relate to each other. Relationship goes a whole lot better. So the first step, I think, in that is is to look at yourself. But then the other step is to try to look at the other just the situation that you're in in general and gain some perspective in it. And so that's what I talked about the first week. That's Paul's first step. If you want to make peace in your relationships, you have to gain a larger perspective. And so one of the things that we often do is when two people are in conflict with each other, even if they don't know why, I begin to blame you for everything. Hmm. You're the reason everything is wrong. And I begin then to avoid you or I just get angrier at you or I begin to talk to other people about you and, and the whole thing just gets worse. And so when I can gain some perspective on the overall situation, it gives me a much better chance of 
of working things out. Yeah. And the way, just as a reminder, the way that we gain this broader perspective is I have to stop fixating on you and blaming you for everything. And I need to stop and say, hold it, what's good in my life? How has God blessed me? And look at my life from a broader perspective of God's blessing in it. And then I might realize, you know, this thing's not near as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. We could work this out. Right. God's blessed us in so many ways. And if two people in a relationship both can kind of realize how blessed they are, the conflict might not be quite as big. Right. It, it might not be quite as blown up. Yeah. Right. And it can actually be something that we think we can handle and solve. Yeah. Well, I, and that is so good. That's an amazing point. It's an amazing point to connect because you connected humility to blaming. And so blaming is the reason arguments keep going or it's the reason that they stoke up. And it's a huge argument, maybe over a small thing. And so you connected the humility piece of part of not blaming someone is having the humility to not need to not blame yourself. Right. right. It, it, you want to have a scapegoat. You want to pick on someone else because, mm -hmm. well, I would be perfect. This is your fault. Yes. And the humility piece is the way to do that. That's such a good connection for people yeah. to make of why humility is important in everyday life. Hey, you know, humility um, been defined in a couple of different ways, um, that, and they're all good. Humility is thinking rightly about yourself. So humility doesn't mean that, you know, you're a chump, yeah. like you're just the worst person in the world. Humility means that I understand who I am and I think rightly about who I am. I don't think too highly of myself, neither do I think too lowly of myself. Mm -hmm. Because John, ultimately you and I are gonna love other people based on how we love ourselves. Mm. And then, so if we have a really low view of ourselves, we're gonna tend to try to pull other people down. So one of the definitions for humility is thinking rightly about yourself. The other definition that is also very powerful is using your power and what you have for the benefit of others instead of using right. it just for yourself. Yeah. Okay, that's humility as well. So that whatever I am and I think rightly about myself, instead of just using it to benefit myself, I use it to benefit you. Hmm. I use it to benefit my wife. I use it to benefit my kids. I use it to benefit my husband. I use it to benefit somebody that I work with who, if I help them, might actually get the promotion ahead of me, but I, I love them and I give my life away yeah. to them anyway uh, for their sake. Yeah, that's, yeah. oh, ooh, that's giving your life away, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, thinking of it from you know my perspective and the perspective of many, that sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, this sounds like it's really hard. It, isn't it just easier? Isn't it just easier to say, I'm gonna protect myself and I'm not gonna get hurt. I'm not gonna put myself out there. I don't wanna, I can just walk away from this relationship. I can just not talk to this person or we yeah. can just leave it at a level where we don't have conflict. Why even engage? Why even try this? It sounds really hard. Yeah. Well, it is, it is challenging to us because it's not the way we normally are. And there's a theological term for that. We won't chase this rabbit very far, but we all suffer from a sin nature. And, um, and it's where our old way of living before we met Christ 
uh, still there with us. And we have these tendencies to want to go back to that because we know that. Yeah. And Jesus is calling us to follow him and to, to give our lives away to others like he did. And it is a challenge for us. But the reason, the motives for doing it are several. One reason to do it is, is because don't forget, your happiness, which I know everyone who's listening to us and you and me too, John, we care deeply about being happy. That's right. Okay, we do. our happiness is attached to our relationships. So one of the reasons I don't want to just keep walking away from relationships is because you're walking away from people who have the potential to make you happy. Mm. And so just living alone is not ultimately going to be a happy life. Now, when you're young, <laughs> you think, I can leave that person and get another one. I can leave and get another one. But now when you start to get my age, you know, late 50s and 60s, just around the corner, you have a different perspective and you start to realize, I don't have enough time to build another relationship, so I better quit walking away now. And so... Uh, my mentor told me something that is worth injecting here. He said, he said, Witty, if at the end of your life you have five really close friends, you will be fortunate. Hmm. Okay, so think about how many really close friends you have that you can depend on. Our happiness is partially rooted in that. As well as, of course, your happiness is rooted in your relationship to God. So one reason we don't want to just walk away is because our happiness is is connected to our relationships. But another reason we don't don't want to just walk away is if you're serious about following Christ. You know, you really want to be a Jesus follower, you want to live life the way he did. For most people, uh, you know, if I were to ask them, hey, if you could live like Jesus, do you think your life would be better? Most people would say, yeah, I think so. Well, that means giving your life away because that's what he did. And so another reason I don't want to walk away from relationships is because Jesus didn't walk away from relationships. If he were going to do that, first of all, he never would have left heaven and come to this earth. He never would have been born as wow. a human. He never would have lived among us. He never would have given his life away. He never would have died for us. He would have just left us to ourselves. But that's not what he did. Jesus came, he got involved, and he did the hard, dirty work of living life in the first century in a, in a religious system that was you know, kind of harsh. And, and so he, he did this hard work of relating to people who weren't friendly to him, who didn't understand him, who didn't care about him, who didn't believe in him, who even shunned him, named him, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, so, but Jesus stayed engaged with us and ultimately died for us on the cross. And so if I'm serious about following Jesus, then I really don't have an option but to work hard in relationships. And when they're in conflict, that means I got to make peace. Yeah. And the hard work, what you're saying, it's the hard work is worth it. If Jesus did it, it's, an, it's a model, but you're saying even just for us here on this earth, That's right. the hard work is worth it because our happiness is tied up in these relationships. We're built to be in relationship. We can't be island uh, islands, excuse me. So our happiness is there and that's why we work hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's not only good for other people, ultimately it's what's best for you. Mm. Yeah. All right, so how do we do this? How do we, what are the, pra what are the steps we take? 
the things that we, we're listening to this, we're in our car, we're at our desk, we're going for a run, whatever we're doing listening to this. What do we do now? This all sounds really cool. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. We've already identified it's hard. We know that paradidomy is hard. Giving our life away is hard. Love is hard. What do we do? Well, I think step number one in, in making peace in relationships, let's just limit it. What do we do to make peace yeah. in relationships? I think step number one is to say, I'm going to choose not to walk away from relationships. I'm going to choose to try to make peace. I know that it doesn't only depend on me. It depends on the other person as well. But from my perspective and from my side of it, I'm going to put myself out there to try to make peace. That's the first uh, thing is I got to that, commit to that's that. good. You got to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to try. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have to agree to go. I'm going to try to make right. this work. Yeah, that's I'm, great. I'm, I'm going to. So that's yeah. step number one. I think step number two then is um, to try to understand your part in the conflict. Right. And that is like, OK, what am I contributing to this struggle that, yeah. that we're having? And where did that come from? So that goes back, John, to being willing to do the hard work of telling your story and identifying why you're the kind of person you are, why you tend to do the sorts of things that you do. In other words, you have to step two is understanding your own self better. And as you understand yourself, it will help you realize, okay, this is how I'm contributing to the conflict. Now that gives you some objectivity and perspective. I'm not just blaming you. You may have a part, you're part Mm -hmm. of the conflict too, but I'm also part of it and I can own that part of it. And then step three, I would say, is you need some perspective on just your life as a whole. And this is what I taught this last weekend. You just have to understand that all the good things in your life are not just the result of random luck. We believe that there's a personal God who loves us and has blessed us. Well, how has God blessed your life? And so I need some perspective So I don't just fixate on you and blame you, but I realize, man, even with this problem that we're facing, my life is still really good. And so that that helps us. It gives us a little breathing room to work on the problem. And then very practically, uh, maybe a fourth step would be you're going to have to try to have a conversation with the person that you're in conflict with. And conversations when you're in conflict are very tricky and they're very difficult. But um, if you can come to this person and genuinely say to them, look, I want this relationship to work out. I, I care about you. I recognize I'm part of the problem. Can we have a conversation then you've got to begin that process of telling the other person, here's what I see, listening to what their point of view is, what's gone wrong here, what are the possibilities for solving it. It may be that you're going to have to get help from the outside to do that. You know, in our series, John, uh, it's from Philippians chapter 4, and in the Philippian church, there were a couple of ladies, Yodi and Sintiki were their names, and they were in conflict with each other. And before Paul gave them the process for making peace, he first appealed to some other people in the church to help these ladies make peace. And so sometimes, in order to make peace and to communicate well with each other, it might go beyond the two people that are in conflict. You might say together, hey, we need to go get a third person involved who we both trust 
who maybe is a little older, wiser, knows yeah. more than we do, who can help us. And let's get this person to help mediate this conflict as well. And yeah. so the willingness to let other people get involved and help you as well to communicate well with each other and to see if it's possible for you to, yeah. uh, you know, to do the right things. Next week, I'm going to be talking about really probably the hardest thing in all of this and step number two in making peace. And that is that sometimes you have to be willing to yield your rights uh, to mm. the other person mm. and almost none of us likes this idea of yielding i'll yield on the highway because the sign tells me to yeah. but in a relationship when i when you want me to yield to you especially if i think you're wrong it's almost impossible to do but it is step number two and so we're going to talk about that next week um and then ultimately uh, you know, when you're in, when you're in conflict with someone else, it's just natural to want to talk to everybody else about it. Yeah. Well, that usually just divides and makes it worse. And so, the third step that Paul's going to lay out is he knows. We, I know you have to talk about the person you're in conflict with, yeah. but you got to talk to the right person, and it can't be talking to everybody else. And so, he tells us the role of prayer in talking to God. Mm until God's peace overwhelms us about this. Yeah. So those are some of the practical things yeah. that, that I man, hope would be helpful. That was really good. Let's do a quick summary, right? So for some people, like you're writing stuff down or your brain is going, whoa, 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 what? Like, that, give me that summary of Paul's three, uh, Paul's three yeah. steps. So Paul's three steps for making peace. Step number one is you have to gain perspective. By not fixating on the person you're in conflict with, but focusing on God and all the ways that he has blessed you in your life. And so what you practically do is you make a list of all the ways you're blessed. And when you do that, your perspective gets broader and many times the conflict kind of gets shrunk down. It's not as bad as you thought. It can be solved. That's step number one gaining perspective. Step number two is not pressing your rights. You choose to yield to the other person for the sake of the relationship, even when you think you're right. And the reason we do that, that I'm going to talk about next week, is because if I press my rights against you, ultimately God's going to press his rights against me. Mm. And I want to avoid oh. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay? scary. That's step number two, is yielding your rights, even if you are right. And Paul calls that being gentle, avoiding a head-on collision with this person. Then step number three is I have to talk, but I can't talk to everybody else about the conflict. I have to talk to God about it. That step number three is prayer, talking to God about it until his peace overwhelms me so that I don't have to say all the hurtful, harmful mm -hmm. things that naturally come out when I'm really emotional in a conflict. And uh, this is crucial, John, because our words, when we're in conflict, when they've come out, we, we can't take the effects of those back. And yeah. if our words are harmful and hurtful, the hurt and damage has been done. And so we have to try to keep those harmful, you know, hurtful words from coming out. And of course, if you have already done that, you've hurt the other person, then that's where you just got to admit it and ask for forgiveness and really be pretty humble. Yeah, and it's a full circle to humility mm -hmm. and paradidomy and giving our it, life away. Yeah, it really is. Oh, man, thank you for taking time to do this. You unpacked this big Greek word, right? That's Greek to us, paradidomy, yeah. and you broke it down in a way that's really real. Is there anything else you want people to take with them as they as they go? 
Yeah, you know, John, I think as we would close down, here's what we know about relationships and happiness. Uh, when your relationships are good, really nothing else has to be. But when your relationships are bad, almost nothing else can be. Mm. And that's because our happiness isn't attached to what we have. It's attached to who we're with. Happiness is all about relationships. And so uh, knowing that, I just want to encourage people, myself as well, for us to do the hard work of making peace when we're in conflict. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing this with you. This is awesome. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. I will see you again soon.